0: Hello everyone, welcome to another fine edition of the John Davies podcast, coming at you here from the 16th of October, 2020. It is an MLB edition podcast, so that means we're going to be talking baseball here for 30 to 35 minutes. I'm going to give you my takes on the prospective World Series chances, um, the, the division series, championship series. And league perspective as a whole right now. I just want to do a quick little roundup. You know, before I say going in, because this is the first true MLB edition podcast where we won't be speaking on any world events or experiences or stories, really, unless it comes in naturally, but it's going to mainly solely focus on baseball. Uh, I want to give my expertise and credentials for baseball. I've been a fan for uh, over a decade now, played Not for any, you know, school or for any, you know, college or anything like that, but I played um, recreational youth league up until the point I was like 16 or 17. And basically, I played until I ran out of places to play. It's an amazing sport, my favorite sport of all time, the best game ever invented. And being a history nerd, you know, connects deeply with that as well. So that's why I wanted to do these podcasts because I feel like there's not. A whole lot of podcasts talking about baseball right now. Uh, the best one out there is Talking Baseball, started by John Boy Media, I think it was a few years back, with uh, Trevor Plouffe and Jakey, and um, it's, that's, I think, the best MLB podcast that's available right now. So there's not too many out there, and it's, it's an interesting subject, and I think that, that there should be more people talking about MLB out there right now, because it's a very fun sport, you got a lot of personalities i mean th- these playoffs have been probably the best playoffs that have happened in in mlb in recent memory even better than last years you know it seems like every year we're getting more intense competition better games different teams that are bu- that are structured and built differently it almost seems as though the league is constantly evolving in this day and age because there's just so much talent pouring in right now now, 2020 was a weird season. And, you know, for anybody who hasn't been watching MLB or is caught up, 2020, they shortened the 162 game schedule down to 60 games. And they, they they introduced a series of rules where they could make up games because there were teams that lost a ton of time to COVID, where uh, teams could play seven inning doubleheaders. Now, normally, nine innings is what they play in the major leagues. And I was against this this rule change from the very beginning because I personally don't see how adding two innings would hurt uh, your chances of finishing the game anyway. And seven innings is what you play in a high school game. I mean, you, you just got to be playing nine innings if it's a baseball game, MLB. But it worked, and you know, two of the teams that that had the most COVID cases actually ended up m- muscling their way into the playoffs. You know, the Marlins and the Cardinals. Both of those teams had dozens of COVID cases. They had, like, super spreader events in their clubhouses, and they both managed to find ways to get into the playoff. So it's, it was a weird season. Teams adjusted very accordingly. My own Nats struggled, you know, after winning the World Series last year. They weren't able to carry the magic in 2020, and they struggled with injuries and, you know, people not wanting to play because of COVID. And we can talk all day about why the Nats struggled, in 2020, but the fact of the matter is they are not in this postseason, and there are four teams that are deserving right now that still are. Uh, Each of the teams is still very much alive to this date. Now, the Astros have kind of their backs up against the wall because they're going to be facing the Rays, deep rotation and bullpen, you know, in a series where they've already proved that they can get the Astros lineup out. But they've got the magic and momentum carrying into today. After that win last night, you know, the, I I'd, I'd feel confident in the Astros taking the series. The, the, there's a serious thing to momentum in baseball. When a team gets fired up behind something like that, Correa walk-off home run, a team absolutely has the potential to break through and, and win a series, even even if they were down three nothing. You know, just because it's rare doesn't mean it can't happen, and the Astros are very much alive still. Uh, this game tonight is gonna be absolutely huge. It's gonna be a fucking huge game. So I mean, the and, and and you got the Dodgers on as well. You got a full a full set of teams that are battling right now to stay alive. You got two two teams that have been in the picture for the past couple years in the Dodgers and Strohs. You know they've both been to the World Series as recently as twenty seventeen. And I know a lot of people don't want to see a rematch up of that uh, a rematch of that World Series. That's not on the agenda of a lot of people. Yeah, t- today at uh, five oh seven PM, you're gonna have Stros and Rays. Eight oh eight, you're gonna have Dodgers and Braves. The Do- I'd say I'd say the team with the ba- it's back up against the wall right now. The most is the Dodgers. The Dodgers need to prove that they are still in this series tonight. Last night was bad. That that loss did not look good for Kershaw on his career playoff record, you know, he's been accused of choking in the past. He doesn't have the best career postseason record, but it was a team loss, you know, it wasn't all on Kershaw. They just they got to him. They got to him in the sixth. They hit him hard. But uh not a very good performance by Grathier all after that either. You know, he didn't last but uh 0.1 of an inning. Got knocked around pretty good. There's no, there's no single loss here. I mean, in a ten to two loss where Kershaw only gave up four runs. It wasn't all his fault, but not going to look good on his career playoff record there. And you know, the top of this Dodgers batting lo- batting order has been cold in this series. I mean, you can say what you want about the fifteen to three game, and you know. I know they got some contributions from Betts in that game, but Mookie Betts has been ice cold in this series so far to the extent where he's actually, I think, dragging the Dodgers down to have him in the leadoff spot. Only only checking in at 143 for the series. You know, he was 0 for, I think, 0 for 4, 0 for 5 in the first game. So he's really struggled. He hasn't really walked a whole lot. And I think that he's been he needs to get his back going, and he absolutely can. He's perfectly capable of it. He's one of the best players in MLB, but if you're going to have him batting leadoff, then he's going to have to step in. Now, the Brave starter for tonight is still unannounced as of, uh, I think it's like, what, 2.05 right now? Out of two, as of 2.05 Eastern time, the Brave starter for tonight still unannounced for the NLCS Game 5. Uh, tonight for the... Strohs is going to be uh, Valdez. What's his first name? Blake Snell is going to be pitching for the Rays. Sorry, Framber. I always forget. Framber Valdez is going to be pitching tonight. Um, career 2-1 in the postseason. He's been excellent. 5-3 and three this season. Uh, 11 games pitched. 10 started. Worked his way into the rotation early in the year. Uh, 70 innings pitched this year. 76 Ks. It's a pretty good ratio. A very good, very good walks, hits per innings pitched. He's got a nice curveball, Frambler Valdez. You know, he's Framber. Frambler. I called him Frambler. I am so sorry, sir. Good sir. He is, he's a decent pitcher, though. You know, he's a, he's a solid arm. Kind of reminds me a little bit of like a almost like a Jordan Zimmerman type guy. You know, he's got a very, very tight-breaking curveball. And he fits in with that Astros pitching scheme very well. They have a couple guys that are sort of like that, like Lance McCullers Jr. Um, And even before him, uh, they had that that other guy, that curveball guy. I'm forgetting his name now, but he used to start for him. And Verlander obviously has a very, very electric curveball. So they all fit in well into the system. Grankey obviously still the the Astros' best pitcher right now, and that was a fantastic start from him. He did exactly what you needed him to do as an ace on uh, yesterday, and so, or sorry, not yesterday on Wednesday, and and so I think that the, everything's clicking right now for the Astros. The Rays have just been very good in this series. The Rays have just. Piled on offense in all kinds of ways. They found all different methods and statistical anomalies to stack their lineup in. And they are having great success right now. I think that it's still going to be tough for the Astros to pull this series out. Because, I mean, the Rays, they can win games in so many different ways. Because they're so so versatile with their lineup. You know, they have so many guys they can plug in. I mean, there's there's a couple games in the series where G-Man Choi didn't even play, and he's one of the Rays' best players. You know, he didn't play at all in Game 3 when they won 5-2. to two. He didn't make any appearance in Game 2. Or, sorry, that would be Game 1. On the 16th, you know, G-Man is the best player on the Rays, and they don't even need him to win, necessarily. So that that tells you the roster depth that they have. They can plug in a guy, you know, like uh, you know, Mike Brusseau or Hunter Renfro who can come through, you know, with a clutch hit. They can they have they have lineup depth. And even if they're unlike the Dodgers, even if the first three or four people in the lineup don't contribute at all, you know, the Rays have guys that can come through at the bottom of the order, the middle of the order. They have a lot of ways that they can score, and that's it's that's what makes their team all the stranger because they scored a very high percentage of their runs in the regular season on home runs, and so it makes them all the weirder of a team. They're a weird, they really are a weirdly structured team. The Rays are. The talent is very spread out at every position. There's really no stars per se. I know a Rosarina is getting the highlights right now, but there's really no stars per se on this Rays team. Uh, that that like sort of jump out at you. It's just very very evenly balanced talent at all positions. A very well structured depth chart, and a, a manager that knows how to utilize it very well. In Kevin Cash, he'd be my pick for manager of the year. This raised team is really something to behold, and they have three great starters they can throw at you, in Blake Snell, Charlie Morton, and um, Blake Snell, Charlie Morton, and uh, Tyler Glass now. And they also can they can attack you with their opening their opener slash op, opening methods, where they'll start a bullpen pitcher, like Thompson or Fairbanks or Strassey in the first inning. They they have a well laid out roster, and that bullpen that raised bullpen is tough. I don't care what anyone says. You know they they've obviously they got hit yesterday. Correa took them, uh took. Uh, Thompson deep for the walk-off home run. No, Anderson, sorry, not Thompson. Anderson deep for the walk-off home run. Um, but they they are a tough bullpen, and they, they're they perfectly capable of carrying an entire game by themselves. And guys like Nick Anderson in the bullpen, you know, he, he gave up the home run yesterday, but just tough arms they can bring out. Pete Fairbanks, Nick Anderson, Aaron Loop. Uh, the veteran from Toronto, Sledge, Aaron Sledgers, Ryan Thompson, Ryan Yarborough. They can throw all these guys at you out of the bullpen. And these are all quality arms who are good at coming into games. They're not guys that have been converted starters. They're good at coming into the games. And how about Diego Castillo? This dude throws absolute darts. He has been locked down this postseason. Um. And in 2020 as well, he was 3-0 and with a 1.66 ERA through 21 innings. This postseason, he has yet to give up a run. He's pitched six games. He's saved two games. He's pitched seven innings, ten strikeouts in total. I mean, this guy's a monster. Just coming out of the bullpen, they have so many weapons on this team. This this raised bullpen is a manager's dream. It really is. I mean, there's so many weapons that they can go in and and access. It's it's really no wonder that they actually beat the Yankees, and it, it came down to that because the Yankees are very star reliant. I'll call them. Their bullpen lacks depth. They sort of like hide the fact that their bullpen was less star studded slash experienced. They they rely on a lot of young guys. Obviously, losing batances. Um they they hide they hid the fact that their bullpen was weaker. In the last series, by their star-studded lineup, and it came—it was a close series. It came down to the very end. That was a tough series. That was the Rays' biggest obstacle: was getting past the Yankees. But I think they were ultimately able to succeed because this bullpen is just so fucking deep when it when it comes to quality arms, quality developed arms. That have been in the system for a while. Not, not not all necessarily guys that they picked. Like, you know, Thompson drafted by the Astros. Loop came over, I believe, from the Blue Jays. I mean, he's a veteran arm. But like, not all necessarily guys that they per se have drafted. Uh Fairbanks came over from the Rangers. Curtis, let's see, Curtis drafted by the Minnesota Twins. Diego Castillo. Is a guy that they have developed and mentored through their international program. The Rays have an excellent international program. Mm. Alvarado, as well, another guy that came that came over from Venezuela. But you know the guys that that are like drafted these these guys like Nick Anderson, Fairbanks, Thompson. They all came over from other organizations a while ago, and they've worked themselves to be a part of this Rays system. The way that the Rays train their pitchers is, is stellar. Their farm director, whoever it is, is quite possibly the best in MLB. And I'm actually going to look that up right now because I'm curious. He He's laid out a plan for this organization that's kept them relevant. You know, even Mitch Lukovics, the Rays farm director, Right? Or is that wrong? It looks like it's for MLB The Show. It should say right here. Like on their website, it has their entire roster. Just the whole team for the Rays organization, though. You know, one guy doesn't make... Doesn't make an entire team. The Rays ownership deserves a lot of credit for investing money, uh, Sternberg in the the minor league system, and the, he deserves a ton of credit for that. He read the winds of change perfectly in MLB. There's so many young guys coming up right now. Every year it seems like there's there's more and more these like Keybron Hayes type guy, Kyle Lewis, Jake Cronworth, You know these guys. That just come up and rake, and it's so much easier to just develop players than to take a chance on on older dudes now that want huge contracts as free agents. That age is coming to an end. Now you got guys like uh, you got guys like Kyle Lewis, Jake Cromwell, Devon Williams, Tony Goslin Lewis Robert. I mean, these guys rake, absolutely rake and next year i think it's going to be one of the best years ever for baseball it's going to be a year when it's like it's like a renaissance of young talent meeting old talent that wants to come back and have have great years and show that it's still relevant and you're going to you're going to see so many guys come out and just have the best years they've ever come out work harder in the offseason than they ever have i think next year not just for baseball but for all sports is going to be the best that we've ever seen it Sports are are amazing right now. Like you know, the NBA is very competitive. You got some, you got some great teams out there. You got this a stacked Lakers team right now. Uh, You got you're gonna have a relevant Golden State again very soon in NBA. But um, MMA is probably the best overall sport that's lasted through this coronavirus. Like you know, more people are watching UFC and Bellator than ever before. Uh, But baseball is right up there too. I think, and it's gonna it's gonna improve and. I think that baseball knows what it's doing right now, and there's a lot of young guys that are going to make it interesting to watch for, from years around. I mean, look at these playoffs. Look at these playoffs. We've had, we've had some battles. We've had some pitching duels, some offensive shows. I mean, you've had just games where the like you know like two days ago when the Dodgers just came out and scored fifteen runs. You, you've got a lot of different kinds of games getting played right now in these playoffs, and it's been very intense. The the lack of crowds. I think has made it more intense because you can see the emotion of each teams more. I just want to say though, watched that game in Texas last night and I didn't even realize that the cardboard cutouts were weren't cardboard cutouts, but were people at first. It was such a breath of fresh air to see real fucking people out in the stands. I almost cried. I almost cried. I had to look at them for a second. I was like, they're moving. What is this? They're moving? They, they put some kind of animated code. it's been so long that I almost forgot people even could go and watch games in person just because it's it's such a thing that we've we've gotten used to. And it just made me think about how beautiful it's gonna finally be the days that we, the day that we can take off the mask, go out and like appreciate live events again and, and start and start living again. Things like baseball, they help us live. Going to those summer baseball games, those long summer nights, it's something that you can't take away and expect people not to get sad. It's made me sad not being able to go to any games in person this year. Very, very sad. Not even a minor league game. And to see people able to do it again in Texas, I just want to give full props to that state. Uh, it's, it's your governor, it's legislation, it's legislative body props props they're doing it right out there in Texas that new ballpark's a little whack I don't know if I'm sold on that new ballpark yet but they're definitely doing it right in Texas right now in terms of governing and leadership I mean that new ballpark is ugly I'm sorry dude it's just so ugly it looks like an indoor stadium and I, I think I get it, it has a roof but it's it's just so ugly it it, it, it it takes, like, the, the worst aspects of the Rays, the Rogers Center, Miami, like, all these new parks that have no character at all, and it makes them ten times worse. I hate it. I absolutely hate it. The old Ranger Stadium was fine. I mean, I get it. There were some seats that were blocked by poles, and people didn't like it, but, no, the Ranger Stadium is... The new Ranger Stadium is not good at all. I I dislike it intensely. I don't know why they decided to get rid of the old park. Uh, Globe Life Field. Yeah, definitely do not like it at all. Old Stadium. uh, Arlington, I believe. In Arlington. Uh, I forget what the... I forget what the old stadium was actually called, but it was definitely it was def, it was Globe Life Park in Arlington. So it, they definitely just changed the the name and moved it to a different one. But the the stadium had more character. I think everybody can agree that it, it looked it, it sort of looked like a brick palace from the distance. When you looked at it, you know you could you looked across the little lake in the distance, and and you just saw it there and it's it was a beautiful it, it's a beautiful stadium it really it really made you think of texas now one of the reasons they probably got rid of it was because they it didn't have a roof in texas if you weren't in the know in this region of texas a very diverse state but uh unfortunately in this region of texas it gets very hot in the summertime so guys were damn near passing out from heat stroke i think houston yeah houston has a dome Arizona has a dome. All these southwestern teams have domes because it gets very, very hot, and sometimes it's hard to play baseball when it's over 100 degrees. You know, but guys weren't complaining about that, I don't think. There was a lot of guys that loved that stadium. I mean, I know Ian Kinsler was one that he he said he loved to hit in that ballpark. I mean, the ball would just fly out of Old Ranger Stadium. Fly balls. that looked like they were just going to be pop-ups would fly out of that stadium. That whew, I'm going to miss I'm going to miss that park. I'm going to miss watching it on TV and never got the chance to go there in person, but I'm going to definitely miss that park. I have to say the nicest stadium that I've ever been to in person was probably Pittsburgh. The, you you got like this view of the skyline when you're sitting at any seat because it it looks out over the river from center field. And you have this view of like the uh, golden triangle of Pittsburgh, which is like the area around the Allegheny River, where the bridges, where the, all the bridges are. Uh, and you got the view, this view of it, that's so so beautiful. And the the park itself, there's no bad seats at all. This the the elevation uh, from from row to row is is laid out to the point where you're never gonna have like a tall person sit in front of you. And it's, it's a beautiful stadium. Tall people sitting in front of you is like the bane of existence at some stadiums. My dad has a hilarious story where he went to see the Orioles back at the old Memorial Stadium. Um, and this fucker with a, a a cowboy hat came and sat down in front of him and completely obstructed his vision. And like, what do you even say to somebody like that? You know, because it's a game. Everybody's having fun. Nobody wants to be that buzzkill to tell someone they can't wear a cowboy hat. But... You know, it was blocking his whole view, <laughs> and um, I think he finally he he finally got the guy to take it off, but or the guy took it off because it got hot. But like it's when you got when you got somebody with a massive hat that sits down in front of you. That's like the worst luck ever at at a stadium, or when you're trying to watch a game. I've had it happen a few times, or it's just some really tall motherfucker comes up. And sits in front of you. Because there's nothing you can do. Like, what are you going to tell a tall person? Like, hey, hey, stop being tall, motherfucker. You can't. <laughs> there's nothing you can say. You're going to be the dick in that situation. So, the elevation in Pittsburgh seats is, abso- is absolutely perfect. I don't know what they did, but they did it right. And the uh, concessions are very good as well. They had, like, a, a shroom burger. When I, when I was there, I saw, like, they had, like, a shroom burger. So, that was pretty pretty interesting. I didn't trip though. I think it'd be I think it'd be awesome to trip at a baseball game. There was a story about a guy named Doc Ellis that that supposedly pitched a no-hitter on LSD once. And Doc Ellis was a pitcher for the uh the Pittsburgh Pirates and 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 uh between 70 and 75, they actually won 5 NL Eastern Division titles and a World Series in 71. And he went on to play for other teams. Uh, supposedly, he, supposedly he pitched a no-hitter in 1970 on June 12th under the influence of LSD. Now I've heard different stories about it. Supposedly he took it like on the plane the night before. Either way, it's pretty fucking impressive, you know. I have I've heard of crazier shit happening while people were tripping. Uh, you know I I think it may be possible if you get in like the right zone. Look at this guy's fucking stud. If if you were to get in the zone. Possibly, yes, but full fledged trip you might not even understand the context of baseball, and it might just be too much work. I mean, hell, I'm on unla- I'm on athletic as fuck, man. You know, I only run like three or four miles in my daily run, and I know that's not a lot for some people. But when I when I've tripped on ass in the past, man, it has felt fucking exhausting just playing video games. I can't even imagine playing a sport <laughs> while I'm like in the full come two of my peak that would be wild i don't know if i don't know if i could do that and i also don't i doubt ellis's story to an extent i think that it's equally as impressive though if he pitched it coming off of the acid trip because i don't know if, if you guys have ever been experienced with coming off of psychedelic trips but you are damn tired that next day it felt it feels like some kind of you've lost a lot of energy because while you're not doing anything physical per se, it's a very intense mental exercise and so it, it feels like you've you've just been through a battle almost <laughs> and to, to, do, to pitch it a, a full game, you know, on the come off I could see it maybe but it's still very impressive it speaks to his stamina apparently he had a substance abuse problem though and uh, after his retirement he acknowledged that he had never pitched without the use of drugs so I mean, hey, he was 138 and 119, so it worked pretty well for him. A 3.46 ERA. It's not Hall of Fame level, but it'll it'll that'll get you a career. You can hollow a career out of that. Yeah, that's Doc Ellis, man. That's he's a he's a crazy dude. He was a savage. He had a very hard life. He was born in the uh, Gardena High School Guard High School in um, in LA. And at 14, he began drinking and, like, you know, taking drugs, it says here on his Wikipedia. He was a pothead. Uh, that's not a big surprise. A lot of baseball players were potheads. Um, and, you know, he had been inspired by all these guys that he had seen growing up. Yeah, he had a pretty interesting career. It's it's definitely, he's definitely one of those stories in the MLB that we may even look into him more in a future segment of the podcast. That's just sort of something that I, you know, thought off off the top of my head, so I just Wikipedia'd him here. But he's, his story's got a lot of unique things to it that I'd love to get into another time. Um, but just real quick, before we end this MLB edition podcast, I just want to talk about the uh, my perspective World Series, chance, uh, chances for each team, and just basically my summary of the championship series as a whole so far and where baseball is at as a sport. Just just real quick, I think that as per Rays and Astros – I think the Rays definitely still take it. A Rose Arena's bat has been hot all playoffs. Going into the playoffs, I was expecting him to do well because it seemed like he was really heating up at the end of the season. But hes I think he's outperforming everybody's standards. When I say the Rays lack a star, they have one right now. He just wasn't there during the regular season. A Rose Arena is their star right now. And I think he and G-Man Choi and the rest of that lineup... Uh, have the potential to carry the Rays past the Astros because the, Ast- the Astros just lack the pitching depth that the Rays have. And even though they've won two back-to-back games, they're going to have to win two more to win the series, and I just don't see them beating the Rays twice. But, you know, crazier things have happened. So, you know, go out there and prove me wrong, Astros. The entire nation's rooting against you so far this year. So I think that the... The Rays and Astros definitely going to the Rays. Dod- As for Dodgers and Braves, I think that the Braves will definitely take it. The Dodgers have their backs up against the wall right now. They've gone through the better part of their rotation, and the Braves have dis- dispelled it. And the Rays have even got through a rocky start themselves in the 15-3 to uh, 3 game. So I think that the Dodgers are definitely going to be losing this one. And it's funny. It's just so funny because of all the complaining that the Dodgers have done about you know not getting a fair shake in twenty seventeen, and you know he had Joe Joe Kelly's hilarious pouty face, uh, nice swing bitch to Carlos Correa earlier in the year, and as always when the Dodgers get the chance to actually show up and play they lose and choke, and it's just so funny how that keeps playing out every single year. I'm I'm not a Dodger hater, but. I just I see what I I report what I see and what I see is not good for Dodger fans. I, I feel sorry for you guys. They break your heart every single year. And the Dodgers definitely have their back up against the wall. They're going to have to get a couple good starts going and completely change the momentum of the entire series away from the Acuña, Albies, Swanson, Led Brave squad that just seems so hot right now. It's got pitching, hitting, really everything. I, I don't think there's any way that the Dodgers pull that series out. I think you're going to be looking at a Braves-Rays World Series, but worst-case scenario for the majority of America, it's going to be Astros-Braves. So, you know, those are my predictions. Um, I think this playoffs have been great for the league, though, because they've been super exciting. You've had total personalities, like a Rosarina, uh Cody Bellinger on the Dodgers with his stoned-belly look. Uh, you had the electric... Uh, Padres slam Diego Manny Machado just going crazy the one game when the, the uh, Dodgers relief pitcher was celebrating it's just been, it's very intense and it's very it's very good look for baseball I don't think they should keep the extended playoffs in in twenty twenty one just because I think it will reward teams for finishing lower in the standings and it just it won't we won't be able to do that when we have a full season but this 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 year's been a total treat. Uh, it's gotten off the ground from nothing, and I give MLB a lot of credit for pulling off a good season in the midst of coronavirus. I really do. I think the MLB's really gotten their shit together this year, and they made it work under under pretty, pretty uncertain circumstances. So give full credit to that. Uh, the commissioner did a very, very good job putting things together. Oh, Robbie Manfred. I wasn't sure about it, Miss Commissioner. I think this was his first true test, but um, and and I'm not really. I don't know. A lot of people were were getting on Manfred about the way he handled the Astros situation with the cheat with you know the cheating and yeah, I can understand the wanting the players to get suspended. I I thought I was amongst the people myself that thought maybe it would be best if they got suspended, but Correa and Springer and Bregman and Altuve, there's no way that we can know how involved they were in the cheating scandal, because MLB hasn't really released anything. Maybe MLB knows something we don't, but there's no way that we can know for sure they were involved, and I I don't think MLB does either, and I think that's why they weren't fully suspended. Because banging a trash can, whether people like to admit it or not, it doesn't help you that much in a baseball game. I feel like the only way it would ever help you would be if it was a very low attendance game with a guy who was taking a long time between pitches to throw. Like a slow worker. Uh, like the Daniel Farquad, uh video that, that came out was just pretty damning. I think absolutely the trash can banging helped Springer hit a home run against him there. But as for how it would help you in an intense playoff game, I don't think that it would. I don't think there's any way you can say that it would. And it's it's just not realistic to blame an entire season's victories or loss on, on one thing like that. So I absolved I actually absolved the Astros in the playoffs of their cheating. Uh, I don't think that they did any kind of crazy like cybernetic baseball cheating. Uh not I don't absolve them of potentially using the trash can thing in in the regular season. I think that's that's shitty and it's you saw AJ Hinch fully paid the price for that. He fully paid the price. You know, he t- he stepped in and took the entire blow and he had to step down. You give Dusty Baker, the uh, Astros' new manager, credit for stepping in in that intense environment where the entire league hates you. You got guys throwing at you. You got you know people saying that they're going to take justice into their own hands, and that's why MLB was so strict with the suspensions to Joe Kelly. And I know Manfred got a lot of heat for that. He got a lot of heat for what happened to uh, Joe Kelly, but uh, it's time to it's time for the Dodgers to shut up and play ball. It really is. This playoffs, it's been pretty pathetic, you know. They talk mad shit, and then when they get into the playoffs, they always choke. That's how it always is. So, if I'm the Dodgers, I'm looking to improve that next year. I don't think they're winning this series. Uh, This has been an MLB edition podcast from the John Davies podcast. I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up here. And I look forward to watching the uh, resolution of these two series tonight. I think you heard it again here first, folks. We're going to get Rays, Braves, World Series. At worst, Astros, Braves. But one of those two combinations. I'll check back in again when we see it. Hopefully I'll bring, I'll bring on old Pappy Fogle for the next podcast. And everybody take it easy. Peace.